Good morning, Teach Better family. Brad Hughes with you for the Daily Drop-In in for Ray Heward. And I have with me the man, the myth, or, or mister, the mister, Dr. Dave Schmidt. Oh, good morning, Dr. Dave. How are you this morning? Good morning. Brad Hughes, man, you are an early riser on Fridays, buddy. I'm glad to be here, though. Uh, likewise, yeah. It's um, 3 a.m. Canada time, uh, Canada Standard Time uh, here. It, it's actually 3 a.m. everywhere in Canada at this moment. Uh, Dave, you're coming to us from the beautiful state of Florida. You're in the northern Panhandle area of Florida. Is that right? I am, where it's 1.30, um, because we do everything a little bit differently here in Florida. So, And oh, I know it's 5 o'clock somewhere. I think we're uh, a little bit too geared up for the uh, for the Wednesday brain break. But uh, we're here for Daily Drop-In with you every single morning, Monday to Friday, on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn. It's the Teach Better Daily Educator Morning Show. Uh, Dr. Dave and I are here to uh, ease your way into the morning, maybe with some fun, with some frivolity, definitely some shenanigans. Some good news, some moments of inspiration and moments of gratitude. Uh, we've got the holidays of the day, and we're going to be recapping a great week of turning data or data into action. And Dave, I think you and I are going to put to rest the whole data data debate today. So I'm looking forward to digging into these highly complex and, and groundbreaking topics with you. Sounds good. <laughs> we're ready to get started. We'll see you right after this break. Make sure that you refill your coffee, grab a cup of tea, and get somewhere comfortable. Join us in the comments this morning. Looking forward to it. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back to the Daily Drop-In, the Teach Better Educator Morning Show with you every single weekday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Twitch. I just wanted to change up the order for you, Dr. Dave. And uh, we're getting the morning started with some educator talk. We're getting some morning started with some good news, uh, some brainstorming, an opportunity for us to take some intentional time to find out what's on your mind. What do you need? How can we help? Uh, and of course, we're going to dig into the data, data, debate. Dr. Dave Schmidow, for those who haven't yet met you, who are maybe new to our network, tuning in for the first time, please tell our audience who you are, where you are, and what you do. Absolutely. First of all, God bless anybody that's tuning in for the first time right now on a Friday morning <laughs> and think that this is a representation of the Teach Better team. I apologize. I am simply a pinch hitter here, trying my best to, to help out a little bit. But I am Dave Schmidow, Director of Leadership and Development for the team. I jokingly say I'm the real DLD. Uh, for the team. Uh, I, I get to hang out in Florida with my amazing family, um, living life. I do a lot of training, a lot of workshops, uh, a lot of facilitation with schools and districts. And every once in a while, I get to hang out with rock stars like you, Brad. So that's me. I love it. And uh, Dave, I'm, I'm gonna just going to gently challenge your pinch hitter status. You're you're like a pinch hitter if you were like the cleanup hitter for every major league team. Like when you when you step into the batter's box with me today, I know that I'm in excellent hands. I'm going to get lots of support. and We're going to have a fantastic conversation. So I'm going to say no pinch hitter status well, for you. I'd, I'd say you're a, a daily drop in slugger, my friend. Well, let, let me be let me be real about that. You know, the pinch hitter, if you're watching baseball, the manager pulls in the pinch hitter when they think the guy that's supposed to be up to the plate can't get the job done. Uh, Mm -hmm. So they bring somebody else in. Jeff Gargis was supposed to be here today. <laughs> and the coach, we'll just call the coach, the manager, Ray Hewitt, right. gave, me, gave me the sign and said, we need a heavy hitter here today. So Jeff is, uh, who knows where Jeff is, hanging out in the dugout somewhere. 
and I get to hang out with you today. Yeah, Jeff's counting pitches, and he's keeping track of the uh, the lineup for the manager. And 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 uh, general manager Ray Heward is in the comments this morning. And I've always wanted to say this: Ray Heward is on assignment. Ray Heward is on assignment this morning, uh, doing some district work uh, on behalf of uh, Teach Better Team. So uh, we're really grateful that uh, Dave and I can co-anchor the show. Uh, we've got Elijah in the comments, Nikki is in the comments. Welcome! And if you're tuning in, let us know where you are who you are and, and what you do. We would love to have you along for the ride. Uh, Dave, as you look back on your week this week, uh, what are some highlights and what are some challenges that have come up for, come up for you this week? Well, I'm going to say that my week this week began on Saturday. Is that, is that fair? Is it fair for me to say that on, on Saturday, uh, you know, when we had our amazing 12 hour live, that that was one of the, the highlights of my week, be able to hang out yeah. with you on brain break, listening to you hum living on a prayer was <laughs> truly the most special moment of the week for me. But also I just had an opportunity to connect with dozens and dozens and dozens of educational leaders this week. Lots of people reaching out, um, worried that their head's going to start looking like mine because they're pulling their hair out right now, just mm-hmm. asking for some support. So I've been grateful that people have been leaning in and that we've been brainstorming together. Dave, I can't believe that daily drop-in was only, sorry, that uh, 12, 12 hour live was only a week ago. It, it feels like a lifetime ago, but I know what an incredible powerhouse, totally packed top to bottom with great guests, uh, great talk, great takeaways. And of course, all of the shenanigans that, that makes, you know, our teach better team and teach better family, what it is. And, and how, so when you talk about, uh, connecting with school leaders and others in the education space that are, you know, maybe literally tearing their hair out. What are one or two of the, the main things that they're asking for support or, or your guidance in? Well, number one, it's, it's sanity. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of people right now just wondering, is this still the job for them? Ah. It, that right now at this time of year, they're feeling like um, it, it's not what they signed up for. And as our, our, our friend, Brian Zwimke, who leads our mm-hmm. Tuesday morning mastermind says, we're coming out of the effing month. February is a month with an F on it for a reason. And every single year we tend to feel that way. But March is that opportunity where we can refresh. We can start to cast that vision towards the future. And I'm just trying to remind people to to start looking ahead and planting those seeds for the the last three or four months right now towards that vision for what they want next year to look like. If we wait and just hope that next year is going to be different than this year, it won't be. So this is our opportunity to start laying down the the pieces. So here's a conversation that came up uh, on 12 hour live. And that is how do you work with our, how do we work with ourselves? How do we shift our own mindsets or as school leaders or as co-leaders, teacher leaders, how do we shift people's mindsets to looking ahead with optimism, if not energy and enthusiasm, simply a sense of hope? How do we shift that when we know that morale can be and energy can be so low? What's, what's the secret there? Ooh, so um, I'm going to tout an expert who is way smarter than me out of the university of Houston. One of my most famous or favorite people on the planet, Dr. Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, she is, uh, she, she is so instrumental in my life and her most recent book, Atlas of the heart um, reminds us that happiness is a trait, not a state that far too often we're chasing happiness, looking for it, as opposed to making it a part of who we are and intentionally saying, I'm choosing to be happy today. And then it changes your lens and that we have to make it a trait of who we are so that we can live our life somewhat through those rose-colored glasses. It doesn't mean putting blinders on and ignoring the reality of things. But when you choose to be happy, you'll find more opportunities to be happy. And I, I absolutely love that. Dave, I'm so grateful that we have guests choosing to join us this morning, maybe for their moment of happy. You know, people looking to connect and, and connection, relationships. Those are the things, in my opinion, that are going to be the most protective and most restorative as we go through 
awful things. Uh, and uh, uh, our colleague, Lindsay Titus, uh, reminds me, and I, I try to make a shift whenever I, I find myself slipping, uh, making that shift from have to to get to. Yeah. Uh, when I'm facing tough stuff at work or when I'm coaching others through difficult things, it really is something that we get to do, isn't it? Rather than have to do. Right. And, and we've got to make those intentional decisions. We have to make intentional reminders as well. You know, I, I know our friend Ray Hewitt has tattoos on as well. And I've got some tattoos. We put those things on our bodies at times to remind us of moments or to remind us about well-being, to remind us of things. Lindsay Titus is the sticky note queen. She puts reminders all over her desk and computer. It's okay to put reminders in places to say, choose to be happy, choose to look at this in a different way, choose to be optimistic. It, it is an intentional choice and it is an action. It's not something that's just going to fall into your lap. So you've got to make the choice. Brian Callahan. Good morning, Brian. In the comments is, is letting us know that uh, turning our attention to things to look forward to uh, activities, bringing people together as a community of learners is, is key. I'm so grateful because I, I have uh, two or three key members on my staff, Dave, who, talk about intentionality, recognize that there is a, there is, it has been, and there is a dip, a dip as we get out of the effing month of February uh, <laughs> to, you know, there's a dip in morale, a dip in energy. And so they've been intentional on about planning activities and planning things that prove both as both a distraction from the stresses, but also uh, an opportunity to connect uh, through some games, uh, maybe some staff room treats, but again, shifting the focus from what we have to do to what we get to do. And I'm so grateful to them. Have, have you got people in your life and your network that are uh, help helping you uh, stay positive when you feel your own dip or your own energy slipping? Absolutely. And one of them right there, I was just going to point, point her out in the comments. I had the opportunity to connect with her this mm -hmm. week. Uh, Janine Lefford, she's going to be one of the keynotes at the conference this October. And absolute rock star powerhouse yeah she focuses a lot on on creativity and how we can all be creative but just that conversation with her this week brought a smile to my face that lasted the next day having those seeking those people out and having some of those intentional conversations are what matters most to me it's one of the reasons anytime people say hey can you hang out with brad hughes i'm like i'm in i'm in because i know that just an hour with you will last the the, the next day for me it will force me to smile. I'll be thinking about the conversations we've had. I'll, I'll think about your humor and your wit, and it brings a smile to my face. But those are decisions that people have to make. Sometimes it's easier to crawl inside your own shell and, and hide and say, I don't want to face life. I don't want to see people. But when you make those intentional decisions to find the people that you know bring you joy, then joy does find you. I love that. Be intentional about finding joy, and joy will find you. Wise words among many that I know that Dr. Dave's going to be dropping with us on the Daily Drop-In this morning. Uh, and speaking of intentional, let's take an intentional moment now, Dave, just to thank our uh, our audience, those folks in our comments. Uh, maybe you're just joining us or maybe you're joining us later on the Teach Better Talk podcast. However you join us, whether it's live or taking advantage of our uh, convenient time-shifting options, uh, we are grateful to have you here and would love your feedback. Uh, if you like what you hear, please recommend Daily Drop-In and Teach Better Podcast to a friend. Uh, please like, subscribe, leave a comment. Uh, we want to continue to grow our reach and our influence because uh, we think we have value to offer, but that depends on you. And we want to make sure that we're meeting you exactly where you need us to be this uh, Friday morning. And so speaking of Friday mornings, Dave, we uh, typically uh, shift soon uh, to our good news segment, to our holidays. Uh, and uh, later we're going to dig into our brainstorm bank, intentional moment to uh, dig into what's on the minds of our community. And Dave, we're going to take a look, week, look, look at the week back, uh, a week of, of turning data into action. So I, I want you to be thinking about, is it data or data? I know Ray Hewitt and I were having this conversation too. That's been a big, any, any thoughts on the data data debate, Dave? 
Oh, are you ready for me just to drop it and give the answer? Is that what you yeah. want? Okay. Because because if you if we come down on data or data for the episode, then we can hold each other accountable for uh, for keeping it consistent through the rest of the show. Fair enough. So I'm going to say something to you that I, I know that you can appreciate as a as a man in Ontario, Canada. Yep. I had an extra U in data. It's data for me. Um, <laughs> it, I've, I've turned it into a five letter Canadian French spell spelled word with with an extra U in it because mm -hmm. data data is that four letter word in schools that we're not allowed to use anymore. That that causes more eye rolls and size than dropping other four letter words in schools. When we when we whether it's data or data, people will will just get upset with you. So I've turned it into a Canadian word and it's now Douda. And uh, it, it tends to, to make people smile when you say it that way. When you explain that there's an extra you in it, it brings joy to people's <laughs> lives. So see what you can do. Put a twist on it and see if you can make that word into something that makes people smile instead of groan. Love it. And there's no doubt that that mind, that mindset <laughs> shift, that perspective shift that you're, uh, that you're proposing could make the difference in how a conversation about data and putting data into action. And we're going to talk about not just data, but the right data for the right reasons. So we'll be back. We're going to do our good news and our uh, holidays right after this. We'll catch you on the flip side. Dave, one thing I love about Fridays is when I look over on my StreamYard bank here of clips, they're all in the right order. It's, 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 it's almost Brad Hughes proof. Just follow it from the top to the bottom and we're going to have a smooth show. So good morning, everybody. You're with the Daily Drop-In, Teach Better's daily morning show, Monday to Friday on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn. We're glad that you're here. Or maybe you're joining us later on the Teach Better Talk podcast, however and wherever and whenever you're joining us, we are glad you're here. So let us know who you are, where you are, where you're listening from, what you're up to this morning. Uh, what kind of challenges are you looking ahead to? What kind of opportunities and connections do you get to partake in today? Uh, what's in your cup? Coffee, tea, uh, diet soda, whatever it is, let us know who you are, where you are, where you're listening from. And and we're here for you and we're here for each other. And, and Dr. Dave, this is an opportunity uh, for us. Maybe just take a moment and, and think back on uh, uh, Think back on the week and an intentional moment of gratitude, of thankfulness. We've been using the uh, Happy Feed app and our friends at Happy Feed uh, since being introduced to that uh, by Rob back in uh, Daily Drop-In, uh, I think two weeks ago now. I think I'm on a two-week or a 14-day streak. Using Happy Feed to intentionally take a moment with or without a prompt to say, hey, what are we grateful for? What are we thankful for? So uh, as you look back on your week, Dave, or if you look ahead to today, what's coming to mind for you in terms of things or people, places, or things that you're thankful for today? Mm. Um, thankful that spring is coming. Mm. Uh, being able to see that the lilies and the tulips starting to emerge right now just reminds me that the dark days are behind us and we're, we're going to start seeing more sunshine. Knowing that next week we um, get to spring ahead and have a, a later uh, sunset we get to fully maximize our daylight hours and get outside and absorb some of that vitamin D again, make some intentional steps and know that March madness is on the horizon. College basketball galore. This is truly the greatest month of the year. If we embrace it and take it all in. So true. And it reminds us, reminds me of our conversation just before the break where, you know, we're shifting from have to, to get to, and uh, uh, Brian Callahan's comment that if we can shift the mindset by, providing things for us to look forward to 
things that take us out of our heads and out of our perceptive thoughts and out of our doldrums, things to look forward to. One thing that our family is really missing, Dave, is travel. So mm -hmm. we, uh, we typically uh, approach March break and we, we typically plan a trip to your state, Florida, and take in all of the sights and sounds of Disney World. And we love doing that. And, and we've really missed you know, the opportunity to, to plan travel. I wonder if travel plays a role in your life or just being surrounded by the goodness of Florida. Uh, do you have those travel opportunities just right at hand? And, and how's that work for you? Yeah, I, I do. So one of the advantages to uh, living where I live is a lot of people pass through here in, mm -hmm. in their travels. And I get the opportunity to, to connect with people. Just this week, um, I got to have dinner with Katie Powell. She's the director of AMLE, the uh, Association of Middle-Level Educators here in the mm -hmm. States. So she she came through and I got to hang out with her. I had the opportunity to hang out with um, uh, Katie Meglin and Joshua Stamper and a lot of others. And I've got some more people coming down in the next week or two. Uh, Megan Anderson, I don't know if you're familiar with her work from Columbus, Ohio, one of our mm -hmm. mastermind friends. She'll be down sure. here in a week and I get to hang out with her as she travels. But next week, I'm actually heading up to Michigan mm -hmm. to enjoy some spring up there as I, as I work with some schools. So uh, travel is it's important. And now that things are starting to, to open back up a little bit for people, I'm just hoping that people can can lean into that as well and can start to see the world and just gather new perspective again and not just look what, at the four well, What I love about your approach is it's travel, it's travel for you and for others, and it all leads back to connection. When you talk yeah. about connecting, for example, with Megan coming and, you know, you, your home in Florida, pr providing that sense of, I guess, comfort and welcome to Megan as she makes her way through. And just that opportunity for connection is so, so important. And you've got family, friends. Is, I've forgotten. Is home in Michigan, Michigan, your home state, Dave? I grew up as a Navy brat, man. So yeah. I, I, I lived all over the place. I actually went to 16 different schools growing up. So um, mm -hmm. all over. But yeah, I, I spent the bulk of my career in Michigan. Michigan's actually where I was born. I spent most of my time in the Detroit area. Yep. Um, but next week I'll be up in the Grand Rapids area working with some schools. Um, I, I do have some friends, some family there, but, um, I'm working really hard to make Florida home now. It's, it's just beautiful. Just beautiful. And yeah. you know, if I, I don't have my happy feed app open right now, but we're going to capture and, and thankfully I can go back and listen to our conversation again later on the teach better, teach better talk podcast, Dave, but, uh, grateful for the coming of spring and the, the shift from have to, to get to, in terms of things that open up those opportunities. That's been a focus of my morning announcements as I've been shifting our you know, intentional moments uh, as a school community to reflecting on the, the people, the places and the things that we're grateful for. And I know that uh, you know, when I do my morning announcements, I have uh, a big window looking out the uh, street in the front of the, uh, of the school and, and we can see and feel uh, the shifting temperatures in our part of the world, uh, Southwestern Ontario. Uh, many people live in a part of the world where there isn't a whole lot of change in terms of the climate, the temperature, but in those areas where that change is remarkable and noticeable. And as you're riding the waves of temperature change, it, it just reminds you that you know the world is literally shifting. The world is shifting and there's much to look forward to. So I'm going to make sure that we capture your moment of gratitude for the coming of spring in our Happy Feet app. So this is a time of, uh, of day on, on Friday mornings, Dave, when uh, uh, if Ray and I are uh, behind the wheel, Ray and I will have a little debate about whether we should do the good news first or the holidays today. And I'd like you to make the call. Would you prefer to hear holidays first or the, go to the good news story? I would love to hear the holidays first because I know that there's a special day coming in, in two days that might not even be on your list. But yeah, um, March the 6th. I, yeah. See, I've got March the 4th here on my screen. But if I if I just if you just allow me, I'll just pop open March this Dave, you're kidding. March the 6th, that special birthday coming up. 
Um, I was just talking about Sunday meal. To sleep oh, were you Sunday? Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. There, there is a special birthday coming up, though, on March the 6th. Our friend Ray Hewart is celebrating a birthday this Sunday, March the 6th. And it's her uh, I had the opportunity people, to celebrate. 18th birthday. That's right. How exciting is that? I, I, I was confused. I thought it was 19th, but uh, okay. Maybe maybe you're right. I don't know. I, I get I'm confused. So <laughs> I had the pleasure of celebrating my birthday on the day, December third, back with Ray on Daily Drop In. That was fantastic. Uh, I would love everyone, uh, in the comments or if you have a connection with Ray on social media, to share your love and appreciation for this uh, remarkable woman, remarkable leader in the education space, and a great friend to all of us. Um, no one works harder, harder, or advocates more. Uh, for the needs of teachers and their kids than Ray Hewitt. So if you can uh, send her a slice of cake or uh, raise a glass to her on Sunday or treat yourself, just make Sunday treat yourself day in honor of Ray Hewitt. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, she's celebrated and, and feels all the love. And there's Ray celebrating in the comments there. I think that's the actual size of her birthday hat there, Dave, on that icon. So. <laughs> Dave, love it. I'm going to shift to our holidays today. This comes to us from National today.com uh, and dave we're not off to a really good start here because today is national day of unplugging unplugging and we're we're oh we've lost dave okay we've lost we've lost dave all right uh wow that was unexpected that took a turn i wasn't seeing <laughs> so in those brief seconds of unplugging dave did you feel a tremendous sense of relief and reconnection oh with gosh. the world around you yeah yeah i rolled a little closer to my coffee a little closer to the door and yeah, yeah. i felt amazing also today, Dave, today are uh, National Grammar Day. So I are celebrating National Grammar Day uh, with yous today. What, what are your thoughts on National Grammar Day? Yeah, me excited about that. Me too. Uh, and but I want to I want to make sure that we are you know sending greetings out to all of the grammars and grampers today. I mean, <laughs> I want to make sure that we're recognizing all those special people today as we uh, as we strive for you know. Excellent speech and, and writing, I guess, Dave. And uh, National Hug a GI today. Uh, kudos and best wishes to all of the service members, uh, past and present, uh, especially as we consider you know the state of our world and, and emerging conflicts. And so it's National Hug a GI Day. So you know that expression of gratitude and uh, just I, I just think it's a very, a very touching and intentional moment, Dave. What are your thoughts on National Hug a GI? Yeah, I, I think you've given me two reasons now to to go see my parents today. My my dad is a, a GI, so I can go give him a hug. And then my mom is my kid's grammar, so I can go give her a hug as well. So I can kill two birds with one stone. I don't know. Incredible. Probably not the right right thing to say when I'm nope. talking about my kid's grandparents. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's, uh, it's incredible. Dave, there are so many holidays. Uh, it's Benjamin Harrison Day, the 23rd president of the U.S. It's National Sons, S-O-N-S Day. Uh, an opportunity for us to reflect on uh, how we shape our sons, both uh, familial and inherited, uh, mm -hmm. into responsible and uh, wonderful young men and men. It's March the 4th and Marching Music Day. I guess that makes sense, March the 4th. It's March 4th Day, and uh, it's an invitation to March 4th and and carry out your aspirations and dreams. Dave, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. If you had one wild dream, what, what comes to mind, top of mind, if you had every opportunity, how would you march forth with that wild dream today? My wild dream is to be able to live my life just sitting on a beach with a beer in my hand or a coffee in my hand, like just mm -hmm. doing that all day, every day. Um, that's kind of wild, probably down the road a little bit, but I'm working towards it. It's incredible. And that would really give you an opportunity to celebrate, you know, national unplugged today, just unplugging, 
maybe by the seaside, uh, feet in the sand, uh, cold or warm beverage with you. Uh, Dave, it's also incredible. National Safety Day, National Pound Cake Day, Toy Soldier Day, National Tartar Sauce Day, something fishy about that, uh, and uh, National Dress in Blue Day. And I didn't uh, even know this. I uh, yeah, I, I, th I, I think you've got a blue T-shirt there. And uh, I've got a blue sweater on today, so I'm really glad that uh, you and I did the you know 2 a.m. wake up call and coordinated our wardrobes for National Dress and Blue Day. I feel like I, I need to go change out though, and then go find a cake to pound yep. and some speech just to butcher. So I'm looking forward to this. It's gonna be a so good day. Would you would you be for or against uh, a slather of tartar sauce on that pound cake? Just to again, just to to so many holidays yeah. today. Yeah, I don't know. You know, you know, you've got to be intentional about your choices. And right. I, I have a feeling that might ruin the day for me. So I appreciate all those people out there that are buying the filet of fish today and throwing some tartar sauce on it. I'm going to pass though. I'm going to pass. <laughs> I just thought too, when we celebrate national hug a GI day, I wonder if any of those GIs will be in their dress blues. And so it can Ooh. be hug a GI in their dress blues day. And we could just bring my pound cake. It's a holiday synergy here on the Daily Drop-In. I, I know there are other ho holidays I left out. I think there are like 36 holidays today. And and we do have a good news story to celebrate, Dave. And I was asking before we got on the air if you and your family were familiar with the Harry Potter universe at all, whether it's uh, in the novels or the films or even, you know, there in Florida visiting uh, the Wizarding World. Harry never, Potter part of your world? Never been to the, to the Wizarding World. Um, did see the movies back when they came out and read the books, but it's been like 15 years. And I know I'm going to offend a bunch of people here when I say I'm not like a total Harry Potter fanatic, but enjoy the stories. Um, and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm super intrigued about what good news you're bringing today from the Harry Potter world. So Brad, I'm, I'm curious, what do you got for us? What I've got, Dave, is a real world, real world connection to the chocolate frogs in the Harry Potter universe. Uh, Harry Potter oh. universe features chocolate frogs that were unwrapped uh, and uh, magical things and magical flavors, I guess, would happen. Uh, and this story comes to us from goodnewsnetwork.org. It's about the discovery of a tiny new species of frog that is, well, it looks like it's been dipped in chocolate syrup, Dave. It's, 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 it's deep brown, it's shiny, uh, and the headline is Tiny New Species of Chocolate Frog is discovered after scientists follow its unique beep sound. So a, a beep, the, the, the sound of this frog has led scientists to this discovery in Peru, who locals knew as a tiny burrowing frog due to its beep, beep, beep sound that it makes underground. But researchers have found this frog to be extremely elusive until recently. Uh, it has a pointy tapir-like nose and it's less than an inch in size. That's six centimeters for our friends who speak metric. And uh, it's called Synapteranus danta, with danta being the Spanish for tapir. That's the mammal with pig-like features and an elephant-style trunk. After about 20 minutes of digging with their hands, the tiny brown frog was discovered, and they were able to give it an official scientific name and description. And Dave, the discovery of this frog, this beeping chocolate frog, is not only delicious news for the scientific community, but it also is a key indicator of the health of Peru's ecosystem. So I'll make sure to put that link in the uh, in the comments, and you too can learn more about the real-world chocolate frog discovered in Peru. Uh, I've got so many questions. Please. Because here where I am, I'm when, I, when we say I'm in Florida, people in Florida say, no, Dave, you're in southern Alabama because of how far I am. And frog legs are a delicacy here. Uh. Um, 
when we start talking chocolate frogs and this amazing species that talks about the, the health and well-being of, of the rainforest, are we saying that this is a frog that people go and enjoy like they might a pound cake today? This is a, a chocolate frog that they're going to devour? Or is this a frog that we're just celebrating as a chocolate frog because of its color and variation? We are celebrating the fact that this frog is chocolate colored and I guess has been nicknamed the chocolate frog. I do not recommend seeking this frog out in Peru and trying to devour it, nor can I confirm nor deny that it might be extremely tasty dipped in tartar sauce or served with a slice of pound cake. Dave, there's nothing in the article referring to uh, uh, consuming this frog. Uh, it's, it's a frog that was extremely sought after. I think consuming it might be, you know, ill-advised for a number of reasons, but, uh, we want to protect this chocolate frog. We don't want to eat it. If, if you're into chocolate frogs, I'd say visit your candy store, visit your specialty store, visit Amazon maybe, and just, you know, get the chocolate frog sent to you, but leave this tiny, delicate little tapir-like animal alone. It's, it just wants to be left alone, Dave. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I think I just discovered a new nickname for myself too. I, I think I'm going to be Dave Schmidt, the chocolate frog. Sometimes we just want to be left alone. We, we might look sweet. We might look delicious, but sometimes we just want to be left alone. I like that. Uh, Brian uh, is a man after my own heart saying it would be quite a leap to try eating one. Uh, and Brian, I know that scientists really had to jump to it to discover this frog and, uh, uh, Brian, if you're ever in the neighborhood, want to come over to Dave or my pad and just, you know, talk chocolate frogs, we would love that. Uh, Dave, I know that, uh, I think it was Mel Torme, the jazz singer, Mel Torme, who was known as the velvet fog for his dulcet tones. And, and maybe you could be known not as the chocolate frog, but as the velvet frog, Dave, because I find that you're the, the, the timber, the frequency, the resonance of your voice is quite soothing to this co-host. So I don't, what do you think about that? The velvet frog, Dave? I think that is totally awesome. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> we are in the middle of the daily drop-in. We've just celebrated 99 holidays, uh, and we've celebrated uh, a real-life chocolate frog discovered in Peru. Uh, Dave, we're going to shift over, and we're going to take a few moments of intention for, uh, our, for our brainstorm bank. Uh, we're going to run the brainstorm bank together. We're going to take a look at data, data, the right data, the right data for the right reasons uh, right after this. We'll catch you on the flip side, Dave. Welcome, 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 and welcome back to the Teach Better team at Daily Drop-In, your education morning show, talking shop and talking shenanigans, chocolate frogs, pound cake, tartar sauce, dress blues, and Dr. Dave Schmidow in the house with us today, streaming live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn every single weekday, Monday to Friday. And Dave, this is our intentional time, our brainstorm bank time, where we pause and we say to the team, what do you need and how can we help? You can let us know in the comments if there's anything that's on your mind. Is there anything that you are facing today, a challenge, something that you need shifting from have to to get to do today? I, is there anything facing you today that Dave and I can help out with? We may not have, in fact, probably don't have the definitive answer, Dave, but this is a space where we can share our thoughts and helpfully help folks, hopefully help folks take some necessary steps uh, that will improve their day, improve their lives and kind of smooth the way. So uh, good morning to Sandra in the comments. 
Sandra, I'm not sure if you any problems of practice coming up for you, please let us know in the comments. And Dave, we've been taking a look this past week at moving from data or data gathering to putting data into action for the right reasons. And so we there are all kinds of sources of data in our school environments. If you had to choose one source of data that you think educators need to pay more attention to, what source or what where might that data come from? Great question. So as educators, um, we are in the fix-it industry. We are in the industry where we feel like it's our job to go out there and, and make things better, which makes total sense. I mean, that's what we stand for is today being better than yesterday and tomorrow's going to be better than today. Yeah. But I think oftentimes we do that by looking for flaws, deficiencies, and weaknesses that we're looking for areas of concern or struggle as opposed to identifying strengths, successes, and passions as, as educators. I think we need to come to grips with the fact that even if we're getting into the weeds of best practice and research supported practices, all the research says that learning happens when we build upon success, when we build off of prior foundations, when we recognize what's already there and try to build around it. I think what we need to do is sp spend more intentional time looking at our students' passions, interests, and um, God-given skills and talents before we start looking for deficiencies and deficits and focus on the data that the doubt, the doubt of, what do we say it was doubt that that says, what does this student bring to the table as opposed to what are they lacking? Dave, I've been reflecting on uh, the kinds of data that we gather this past week uh, and a lot of data or data in our school settings in general, I think it falls in the sort of the, the bucket of product. So it could be uh, tests, essays, projects, reports. Uh, but when we think about the triangulation of data, think about gathering data from a variety of sources, I think about observations and anecdotal notes of what we're seeing and hearing. But I also think about conversations with kids. And I conversations can be time intensive. They can be energy intensive. They can also be intensive in terms of documenting the results of those conversations. But I'm wondering if there's a connection. I'd like to hear from you about, is there a connection between recognizing and amplifying those strengths and passions and maybe a dearth of data in those two frames, observations and conversations. What are we missing? Yeah, absolutely. So again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of geek out a little bit, but just talk about the difference between quantitative and qualitative data. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as a researcher, a, a lot of people would say that quantitative data is the more reliable, the more valid. It's, it's when you're seeking numbers to support an argument. Qualitative data used to be seen as the narrative fluff, the story behind it. But the tides have kind of shifted and people have realized that lives are lived through stories. Lives are lived through experiences. Knowledge is simply a, a series of images, pictures in people's heads that we articulate through communication. So uh, experiencing qualitative data, sitting down and having conversations, seeking the narrative explanation of what somebody knows is actually now being, it's shifting to being seen as the more reliable, valid source of data collection. So yeah, as, as a teacher, as an educator, Having those conversations, seeking the narrative story behind a, a kid's experience, a, a, a student's knowledge, a student's understanding is actually going to be more reliable for you, the communicator in their life, the storyteller in their life, to know what the next story is that you need to present to a kid. Um, it's the, the easiest way to figure out a student's strengths and passions as well, as opposed to trying to do it in some sort of quantitative numerical fashion. Dave, Ann here in the comments is asking about homework and I'm wondering if there is a role for homework as part of a 
a data cycle, the right kind of data for the right reasons? And is homework something where we're likely to leverage or find out about kids' passions and interests? It can be. It absolutely can be. You know, I, I think this is another one of those areas where the, the pendulum swings often in education because we throw the baby out with the bathwater. We tend to say all or nothing, all out or get out. And we, we do it with, with conversations like homework. We have some people that say we should never give homework. And that upsets the people that say, well, sometimes there is a purpose for homework. I'm a believer that um, homework can at times serve a purpose, um, but it should never be served to punish, label, or indict when a student has other things going on. For example, I've got a 16-year-old at home. We've talked about this a lot. Yep. We've started a job now. He's working five nights a week. Um, he has to show up at work at 4.30 in the afternoon, and he's there until about 10.30 at night. And I'll tell you, he is learning a ton being at work, probably learning more there than he would if he had to bring home um, a geometry or algebra two worksheet to work on outside of school. Um, however, I also have a second grader um, uh, who might love doing some activities with us and having a conversation about something that they, they learned at school. If it can enhance, if it's seen as an opportunity to experience life and to make those connections or for that kid to then bring home, uh, to, to bring communication from school to home or vice versa, go for it. But when we start requiring it and assuming that everybody's home life looks just like our home life and everybody's schedule outside of school looks just like yeah. our schedule, that's more setting kids up for failure. Dave, I wonder if that's part of the power struggle that Lori Ann is uh, describing here, where if we're looking for evidence of a product that's either complete or not, and if we're taking a moralistic view that I assigned it, you do it, that's your responsibility, without looking a little bit deeper to the observations and the conversations, to help me understand why this wasn't completed. Well, let, let's face it, it, kids are going to be unlikely to complete anything that has little value, interest, or worth to them. Uh, and if as educators were, com were completely reliant on the power struggle, the power dynamic, I assigned it, you do it, you bring it back. You, if you don't, you're in trouble. That I, I think that there's little value in that. And there's, there's absolutely zero value in developing a positive relationship or, or getting at the kids' passions and, and also getting at the kids' challenges. So what do you think about this power struggle sense? You know, I assigned yeah. it, you do it, it comes back, there's something wrong with you. I'm the teacher, you're the student, figure it out. Like, how can we move past that power struggle to some more compassionate ways of, of assigning and, and monitoring homework? Yeah, you know, I tweeted something this week focusing on leadership, but I think it applies here. I, I wrote something to the effect of too many leaders have a, a my way or the highway mentality and they get frustrated when so many people choose the highway. I could argue educators tend to do the same thing. It's my way or the highway and we get frustrated when kids choose the highway. You know, when, whenever we try to exert authority or demand compliance, we're going to have some kids that say challenge accepted because that's what we as human beings do. Our goal, going back to my early premises, to lean into kids and say, what are you passionate about? What are you skilled at? What, what brings you joy and happiness? And it's our responsibility as educators to lean into that, to leverage that, to allow kids to experience that. So anytime we can allow a kid to shine, to amplify their voice, to amplify who they are as people and what makes them tick, A, they're going to be more inclined to share and celebrate with us. And we're going to get more authentic um, experiences from kids, more authentic work, more authentic evidence, because it's in somewhere that's within their wheelhouse, something within their passion and their interests. So simply lean in and, and ask kids, allow them to have a voice in the process. Dave, do you think that power struggles when they come up 
uh, in terms of homework or really in terms of any kind of classroom dynamic, any kind of student-teacher relationship, are those power struggles inevitable or, or could they reveal uh, maybe either a lack of investment yet or a lack of capacity or professional knowledge yet to invest in the relationship with the kid? Well, I, th I think everything that we experience is an opportunity for us to reflect and say, how can I make this better? Sure. You know, I, I don't want to say the best teachers never have power struggles. That's not the reality. We understand that we're working with kids, children who haven't quite figured out how to navigate this thing called life. However, I also understand that as adults, a lot of us haven't either. And oftentimes we dig in our heels and say, it worked for me. So you have to do it the same way that it worked for me. Whereas oftentimes as educators, we can look at a kid and say, wow, that's working for you. How can I leverage up that? It needs to be a symbiotic relationship. So power struggles, they are inevitable. Digging in our heels, though, doesn't have to be inevitable. We can learn from every experience that we encounter. We can learn from kids just as we expect kids to learn from us. Dave, given that homework, well, it goes home uh, and it can be completed uh actually is completed outside of the educator's purview, outside of their influence. Is homework coming back a valid source of data? Is it a valid source of, of student learning? And in what part of the learning cycle is might it be appropriate for homework to be used as data to keep the learning moving forward? Whew, this is a loaded question that opens up Pandora's box, Brad. So I, I know we only have a few minutes here. Uh, let me tell you what it tends to do versus yep. what it should do. What it tends to do is it tends to open up judgment and condemnation on our part. When homework doesn't come back, we tend to come up with a bunch of reasons in our head as to why that student or that family didn't value school as much as we thought they should have. When in reality, what's happening is we often didn't value their home and their life as well as we should have. So yeah, it's an excellent opportunity to collect data or data, but not necessarily always on the academic sense of, does this, is this student demonstrating mastery? It's an opportunity for us to say, what's happening in your world? I'm a firm believer that if you're assigning homework, homework should be an opportunity to reflect mm. and to, to review what has already happened. It should never be the, the opportunity for primary learning to take place. It's an opportunity for a student to say, is, is anything I learned in school applicable or transferable to the real world? And if so, how? So giving students opportunities to reflect on their learning, to solidify their, their thinking, to have conversations about their thinking or learning, either with an adult um, peer, with a, a friend, a family, a sibling, a bus driver, anybody else is an opportunity and it's a valid opportunity for homework. But if it's simply compliance and um, drill and kill and do more of the same that you just did in school, then we might need to find some more effective uses of our time. Dave, just one last question, because I'd like Laurieann to have a takeaway uh, about the homework discussion, the homework debate. Are there one or two strategies that you would suggest an educator who is engaged in a power struggle with his or her students or a student about homework completion? One or two tips, one or two takeaways that they could try, whether it's a shift in perspective or something practical uh, they could do to re-engage with the student and to dissolve this power struggle. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think number one, it's always about having a, a, a purpose behind every in intentional decision you make. So if at the end of a class period, if you're thinking in your head, you need to assign homework to a kid, having a, an understanding of the purpose behind your lesson, the purpose behind that class, the purpose behind your given assignment that you're about to send home, and then simply asking students, if you have another way to prove to me that you know this, that you understand this, I'm all ears. Give students a choice. There are some kids that might be able to prove to you before they leave that day that they've already got it and they don't need to do anything else at home. 
Other kids might say, I simply need some more time to do something at home. Give them that opportunity. Mm -hmm. But you need to have the purpose in mind behind what the ultimate learning goal is. And that learning goal should not be everybody needs to learn how to do things at home. Because as adults, we don't want that expectation. We don't want our leaders coming to us and saying, you need to go home and work for another two or three hours outside of the workday. We, there needs to be an intentional purpose behind it. So if you can have a negotiation with a kid to allow them to feel like they're invested in the process, so they feel like they have a voice in the outcome, while you're still holding up your high expectations and saying, I've got to get you to mastery, I've got to get you to proficiency, I've got to collect evidence of your competency, go for it. Allow the kid to, to come up with another alternative if your alternative isn't valid for them. Dave, so, so good. And, uh, you know, my challenge is what if we peeled back the layers, just like as you're describing, what if we pulled back the mystery of, of why we're collecting the data? What's the purpose and, and how we as educators, are we sharing with our students the reason we're gathering the data? And, and is that reason aligned with their growth rather than uh, meeting our needs, expectations and obligations? Dave, fantastic conversation. Uh, we hope that's leaving our listeners and viewers with some practical takeaways as well as, you know, our, Dave and I, our shared commitment to making sure that you're supported in your continued use of data as a tool uh, and also sustaining your relationships with your students. Dave, we're going to shift over to our recap of the week. Uh, we're going to take a look and listen back to our uh, some of our guests this week, and we're going to look ahead to next week. How's that sound? Sounds perfect. Fantastic. Welcome back. That's our uh, our favorite groove, Dave. Did, did that kind of get you in the mood there? That that shift to that last uh, transition there. It, it does. I, I'm reminded back in the days like when people had flip phones and they would come up with their own ringers for everybody. I feel like <laughs> I want to make that my my Brad Hughes ringer somehow. So anytime I get a text or something from you, that's what pops up. I'm like, oh, Brad's on the line. You're very welcome <laughs> to do that. I suggested to Ray Hewitt that she make that theme her uh, her happy feed app notification. Uh, Happy Feed will give you a reminder that it's time for you to, you know, take a moment for reflection and gratitude. So encourage you to set your reminders every weekday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Central or real time, as, as Ray Hewitt would say, uh, for our daily drop-in. And so as we recap our week on daily drop-in, we've had some amazing guests who've been talking about the intentional use of and the shift of research into action, working with data close to home to find solutions for our students. And I think where we all landed is that the, the information we need to help move our students forward is closer than we think. And Dave, I think something else that was uncovered was that um, the, the student learning needs that are uncovered by the research we gather, those actually equate to the professional learning needs. Do we as educators have the capacity and the tools and the professional knowledge to to leverage that data to improve things for kids. It, can it be one without the other, Dave? It can be. It yep. shouldn't be. Well, first of all, I, I got to compliment you. You, you. You've used data just as many times as you used data today. So yep. I'm not offending the masses here today, Brad. I'm really <laughs> proud of you. So you're making sure that you're speaking both languages for anybody that's <laughs> confused on what the conversation is. So, so well done. But yeah, it, I mean, it can be, but it shouldn't be. You know, right. it's, the, it's the adage that I say often that we, we tend to put formative assessment in one camp and summative assessment in another camp as opposed to using it all formatively, mm -hmm. uh, which, is, which is truly the goal. All assessment, all evidence of student learning should lead to action on our part. 
So anytime we're collecting student data, it should inform us of what our next steps are or what we still need to know and learn as professionals or as people to both interact with the individual student and to grow ourselves pedagogically. So um, it should, they should be symbiotic. They should be related, but unfortunately they're not always applied that way. Uh, Dave, I agree. And I also, uh, I also know that I've had uh, conversations with educators and, and, and trying to shift thinking from there's something wrong with the kids. They're just not getting it to there's something that I need. Uh, and that, that, that I think is really powerful for a school leader to leverage is that it's nothing wrong with the kids. It's something that you need, but also it's something that we need to figure out together. It's the pressure plus support to move kids forward. And, and there's lots of support on our Monday morning drop-in, Dave. Uh, lots of support uh, with the fabulous Ray Heward and Jeff Gargas who kick off our Monday morning discussion this week, focusing on research into action. And then Tuesday, Ray's guest was Sarah Lane, who was from uh, an organization near and dear to my heart, Roots of Empathy. Uh, uh, a social emotional learning program where schools partner with community families, uh, including a baby and the baby visits the classroom or more recently, Dave, due to COVID, uh, the baby will make a virtual visit. Kids learn to recognize and celebrate the baby's milestones and development. And it really grows empathy and love in practice. I wonder if you had the opportunity to hear any of that discussion or what your thoughts are about, you know, babies as tiny teachers, Dave, what do we have to learn from babies? So first of all, yeah, I, I get the opportunity. I listen to Daily Drop in, in my ears at the gym every morning. Yeah. So it's it's great motivation and a great smile maker. And, you know, as a father of four kids, I can tell you I've never learned anything more in my life than I have becoming a father and experiencing life through the, the eyes of my own children and my own babies. Babies are tremendous teachers. If we afford ourselves the, the vulnerability to say, yes, even I can learn from, from a baby, absolutely. But open yourself up to it. Dave, Brian Callahan's in our comments this morning. Good morning, Brian. Brian was our guest on Daily Drop-In with Ray on Wednesday, and that was followed up with a fantastic session with Tom Hirk on Thursday. That was yesterday, and uh, Tom, a Canadian educator like myself, uh, again, talking about the data that we use to help move kids forward. I wonder if you can summarize or, or think back about your, your gym listening, maybe one or two key takeaways from any of our valued guests this week was there a mind or a perspective shift at all for you or did it serve to reinforce sort of your beliefs about the value of research data and, and translating into learning? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was reminded and sometimes confirmed and sometimes convicted. Um, yeah. Sometimes we look at data or data as though it's an extra thing as opposed to confirmation evidence of what we're supposed to already know. I'm a, I, I believe that all assessment, all data is a sir mix lot assessment. There's lots of big butts anytime we collect data. There's always a but that we throw in our heads or into our mindset and into our practice when we collect a data source, whether it's our own data or data given to us by an outside organization or the state or, or anybody else we look at and say, yeah, but they don't know this. So we need to be using data, data um, in conjunction to confirm or to dismiss what we already know, not just to, to throw it to the side and say, but they don't know as much as, as I do to look at it and say, well, what do they know that I don't um, always look at data or data? to say, what is this telling me that I still need to know more about? All good data should lead to the next question. All good data should lead to the next question. And I think that's the goal of research, isn't it, Dave? And I, I think a lot of our, a lot of the work that we do as educators and practitioners could and should be classified as research. We are action researching, we're, we're positing, we're hypothesizing, we're wondering what's it going to take 
for a child to be as successful as he or she can be and continuing to try, continuing to, uh, to iterate the process forward. But it, it all comes down to the try. And we, we started our conversation today, Dave, around recognizing that th those tries, those intentional, I'm going, I get to rather than I need to or have to, that, that all depends on, on managing our own energy. So uh, I hope that uh, all of us are reflecting back on not only the intentional steps that we can take to shift any perspectives on research into action, but also protecting the energy and protecting our equilibrium where we can to make sure that we can invest in that. And, and looking forward next week, Dave, our focus on Daily Drop-In is going to be a tech resource refresh. And I know that uh, so many of our Teach Better family members are using technology with intention to do just what we're proposing, is to engage, celebrate, leverage the strengths and passions of kids. Uh, for some, it draws them in. For some, it keeps them engaged. And for others, it makes sure that they can produce or share evidence of their learning in ways that engage themselves and engage others. So we've got some incredible guests coming up, of course, on Monday. Ray and Jeff kick off the week with uh, some fun, some shenanigans. Of course, they are a dynamic duo, and they'll kick off the week on Monday. And Dave, on Tuesday, Ray is joined by Ashley Haynes in the Daily Drop-In Space. Uh, looking forward to meeting Ashley and getting to know her. On Wednesday, Dave, new author Aaron Menu joins Ray Hewitt. Uh, and uh, Aaron is the author of a new book, uh, Slow Down, Children Are Learning. Uh, and Aaron is uh, one of those folks that is really intentional about beginning to leverage technology to make sure that kids continue to invest in those foundational skills. I, I know that you know and, and are a fan of Aaron's as well, Dave. Yeah, I, I'm super, super excited about that. She's another Michigander now, a new Michigander, um, and can't can't wait to hear that conversation. Her and Ray together are going to be amazing. And Dave, Danae Acker is joining Ray on Thursday for the Daily Drop-In Space. Look forward to welcoming Danae. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Ray and I will be back in the saddle again on uh, Friday to celebrate a week of learning. Uh, and to uh, and to reconnect, I, I think it'll feel like it's been a month since I've seen her talk with Ray Hewitt. But I, I sure am glad, Dave, to have shared this space and this conversation with you. And uh, based on the engagement of our guests and listeners, it's been resonant. Uh, and we hope that uh, folks are taking things away that are are going to make their life and their uh, and their world a little bit better today. Dave, what what kind of exciting opportunities do you get to engage in as you face your Friday? Ooh, um, I get to have a meeting in a little bit with the amazing Chad Ostrowski. I don't know if people are familiar with his work, but super excited to, to be able to do that. I also have a couple other meetings with some uh, leaders from around the, the country just to connect again and, and lean in. And those always leave me feeling edified and, and filled. So looking forward to that. And then there's always daddy carpool duty. Got it. Got some kids I got to shuffle around. So those duties never fail. So I get to play data, daddy. Whatever today, I'm gonna to go find a pound cake at some point. I'm gonna go hug a GI. Gonna go throw on some blue. Yep. Celebrate the holidays that we have going on. Dave, as you're carpooling around, would you please be extra mindful of any chocolate frogs crossing the street? And if you can, in your community, just make sure that the chocolate frog crossing signs are going up. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe you want to put a couple of bottles of tartar sauce in your holster there, Dave, and uh, and you're ready to start the day with uh, with our 99 holidays. Dave Schmidtel. Always a tremendous pleasure to connect. Uh, I get better because of your presence and influence, and I've truly enjoyed our conversation this morning. Thank you for being my daily drop-in buddy today, Dave. You are the real deal, Brad Hughes. Anytime I can hang out with you, I am in, sir. It's my pleasure. It's a pleasure to welcome you back to the space today, and will we'll be a pleasure to reconnect with you 
on Monday. All of us here at Teach Better wish you the best Friday ahead. Uh, Dave and I have a great feeling that it's going to be the best Friday that you can experience. Uh, make sure that you take time this weekend to rest, restore, reconnect with the people, places, and things that bring you joy so that you can reinvest that energy uh, for the betterment of your kids and the people that you serve. So all the best to you this weekend. We look forward to reconnecting with you next week on Daily Drop-In, 7 a.m. Eastern, Monday morning uh, with Dave and Jeff. Thanks again, Dave.